0: Today on Blue 58, big news for two Packers safeties from two very different eras. What does Raven Green actually bring to this Packers defense for the playoffs? And can Leroy Butler finally get into the Hall of Fame? Then, let's dive into a full season of polling data to find out what Packers fans really think. Blue 58. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to the powersweep.com. I'm your host John Meerdink, happy to be with you here for another episode. We're still more than a week away from the Packers playoff game, and uh, we don't even know who the Packers are going to be playing in the the playoffs. So I thought we would look internally a little bit, turn our focus inward to see what people are thinking about the Packers. But before we get to those uh, polling questions, let's talk about a couple Packers safeties and the Packers defense in general. Raven Green was designated to return from injured reserve this week. He has been out since uh, he sustained a really bad ankle injury in week two. Didn't think he would be back this season. Didn't seem that way. And now all of a sudden, here he is. He started practicing or moving around a little bit a, a couple of weeks ago. And and now it seems like he is ready for action. I wouldn't expect huge contributions from him, even a huge number of snaps. But this is, I think ha- it has to be taken as a positive development for the Packers defense. You can always use more competent defensive backs and it does seem like he was in line for a pretty big role in Mike Pettin's defense early on. So having another player who can play that clearly important role in Pettin's defense is is important. He played 77% of the defensive snaps in week one. And Ibrahim Campbell, the only guy who's been able to really fill that role with any sort of consistency, has never played more than 57%. I don't know how many conclusions you can really draw from those two numbers. It's just the one game for, for Green and Campbell is still just over a year removed from an ACL tear. So how much can he really play anyway? Still, this is an important role. Having that hybrid safety linebacker, enables Mike Pettin to play more dime defense, which he loves, while still defending the run pretty well. And they've been better against the run the more Campbell has really kind of gotten his feet under him in this defense, and you'd think that's kind of what Green would be able to bring to the defense should he actually play. If this can allow the Packers to try to continue to get pressure with their big guys, with Kenny Clark, with the Smiths, with whoever the fourth rusher is, or maybe they're only rushing three. They've done that fairly consistently, too. While dropping seven or eight guys into coverage, that's only a positive thing for the Packers defense as a whole. So if Green allows them to do this, I don't know, five more snaps per game, I still think that's probably a good thing for the Packers defense. I just wouldn't expect him to come in and play 25, 30 snaps a game or more than that. But it, it is it is a positive development and it's hard to take it any other way. If nothing else, it gets them back up to 53 players for the for the playoffs. Uh, Fifty-two, I guess, if you if you count Ryan Grant's spot, Uh, he he is on the roster, but I don't don't think he's ever going to play at this point. That is a question for a different day, though. We do have a good question from a listener, which kind of goes along these lines uh, with the Packers' defense. Callum writes in and asks, the defense seems to have improved a lot the last few weeks. Obviously, they played some slightly questionable offenses. But do you think they've done enough recently to keep Mike Patton in the job for next year? And what can we put any improvement down to? The middle linebacker spot has been an issue all year, but recently we've seen Campbell come back in. And I'm almost certain I saw Chandon Sullivan around that area on a couple third downs against the Vikings. Uh, First of all, thank you, Callum, for writing in. I really appreciate it. Anybody who who writes in, I'm going to try to work those questions into the next podcast or or into a podcast as quickly as we can. That is something I want to do better and better instead of just waiting for like mailbag type type podcasts. We'll just do that as we get the questions because that thing keeps things going along. And uh, hopefully that will encourage more people to write in. So thank you, Callum, for writing in. If you would like to do so, you can find us wherever. Just Facebook, Twitter, email. Just just get it to us. We'll try to get it into the show, however. So uh, to answer the actual question, I think that if we just look at the improvement part of the defense without looking at opponents for a second, I think having Ibrahim Campbell more fully integrated into the Packers' defense has has helped. Even if he's not playing a ton of snaps – Getting him just on the field more gives the defense more flexibility. It allows them to play more of that dime defense while still defending the run reasonably well. But it is worth pointing out that the Packers have played some truly awful teams over the past month. So other than the Vikings, they've really faced off with some really, really bad groups. The Lions are not great on offense. The Bears are not great on offense. Neither are the Redskins or the Giants. But that having been said... There's just sort of a different feel, it seems like, to me at least, watching this Packers defense over the last two, three weeks than there was even dating back to the, the Giants game or the the Panthers game, something like that. I hesitate to really say, yes, they're definitely better. But they do feel better, so maybe they are better. And to get to the root question, does this mean Mike Patton is safe for 2020? I kind of think so. I did a podcast about that way back on December 18th, the ancient history date of December, 20, or December 18th, 2019. Boy, last year already. Wondering if Patton was truly safe for 2020, and I think he probably is at this point, point. and it may have been overstating that question even at the time. I think it's fair to wonder even now, should he be completely safe? Given the amount of resources the Packers have dumped into this defense, is it really the dominating unit? It probably should be. Not all the time, but it's still pretty solid, and there is that, still that chance that things could get worse if you decide to make a move. What do you think, though? Is Pettin's job safe for 2020? Please say your answer out loud right now. Those sure were some interesting thoughts. I appreciate you for chiming in. Uh, moving back to the safety question— uh there was some big news for Leroy Butler today. He is officially a Hall of Fame finalist. And I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because we've talked about this at length before, but Leroy Butler should be in the Hall of Fame. I wrote an article about this way back in the the relatively early days of the Power Sweep back in in January of 2017, so almost exactly 2 years ago, um 3 years ago now. He was not a finalist at that point. Now he has gotten at least that far. And the question remains, why hasn't he made it into the Hall of Fame at this point? The stats are good. He was the first defensive back in NFL history to have 20 sacks and 20 interceptions. His 1996 season, where he had six and a half sacks and five picks, has only been matched by one other player in NFL history, at least at the time it had been. I haven't updated it since then. I don't know. But Dave Dwerson with the, the 85 Bears... Uh, actually in 1986 he did it, but with the with the, that classic Buddy Ryan defense, uh, had seven sacks and five interceptions in 1986. Other than that, nobody has really reached that threshold. He's a great player. He was integral to their the Packers defense in 1996. The rub is, outside of Wisconsin, Leroy Butler just isn't that famous. And unfortunately, it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Stats or the Hall of Players who are actually the best. I think you just have to look at the Packers Super Bowl winning team. Who has the longest legacies? Who are the guys you think of first? And I'm not talking about Packers fans necessarily either. You're probably thinking Brett Favre and Reggie White if you're thinking about players. Probably thinking Mike Holmgren, the coach. Ron Wolf, who's already in the Hall of Fame. And then maybe if you really want to dig into stuff, you get to Leroy Butler. Like the fifth most famous person on a team that only won one Super Bowl, it's kind of understandable why he's not in the Hall of Fame at this point. Now, you can ask, should football writers and the people who are the gatekeepers of the Hall of Fame know better and get a guy like Leroy Butler into the Hall of Fame? Sure, absolutely, they should, but it's understandable why they haven't. Hopefully, he gets in this time. It would be great to see him finally, finally get over that threshold, but if he doesn't, at least we as Packers fans will understand the impact that he had for the Packers in his time in Green Bay. And now for something completely different. One of the things that I am most proud of at the Power Sweep and at Blue58 is our weekly, regular season, well, actual season, Football poll. We do it as long as the Packers are actually playing games on a weekly basis. And that includes bye weeks, which is why we did the poll this week. It's been really interesting over the past two seasons to see how people's feelings change about the Packers from week to week. We ask 10 to 12 questions on a weekly basis through our, our Twitter account. And we've gotten some really interesting feedback. And the longer we've done this, the more interesting that feedback has become because you start to see some really long-term trends emerge. We're not going to talk about both years of data. I just want to talk about the 2019 season worth of polling today. But I thought I'd share a few observations that, that we've been able to glean from this weekly polling stuff. First and foremost, I have to give a lot of credit to everyone who votes in these polls because it's clear, I think, from the data that people are really thinking through these questions. So other than will they make the playoffs or will the Packers win this week, I tried to give a positive, neutral, and negative option for every question. So how are you feeling about the Packers, positive, neutral, or negative? How are you feeling about this person or that person? Stuff like that. Are you feeling about the offense, defense, special teams? You can tell by how our polling data changes that people are actually thinking through these questions and giving us a good reaction as to how they feel Versus just reacting to what they've seen the most recently. And you can, you can tell that because most of the time, from week to week, most people move, if they're going to move at all, from positive to neutral or negative to neutral instead of jumping all the way across the spectrum. We don't see wild fluctuations in the data. People are thinking through what they actually feel about these, these individuals. And if they're not sure how they feel or don't feel positive or negative super strongly either way, we do get fairly consistent neutral responses, which I think is a good thing. Second observation is Mike Pettin is the most boom or bust guy we've ever polled. That includes everybody we talked about last year. Mike Pettin has had a 100% week this year, and he has had At least one, actually two weeks, now that I pull up the data to be precise, where he has pulled under 20%. Three weeks where his approval rating has been under 25%. Nobody else has had that kind of fluctuation in their polling data, and that's kind of like the Packers' defense. Interestingly, Mike Patton has also had the most weeks at or above 95%. He's got five of them, so actually the second most. He's right behind Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, who are tied with that figure, but he's up there. He's been up there consistently, and he's been low consistency. He's been pretty boom or bust, a lot like the Packers defense. Thirdly, and I think this is unusual for a rookie head coach, coach, Matt LaFleur has had very strong support this year. He started at 48%, which is probably about what you'd expect, given that people really didn't know what to think about a a guy coming into his first regular season. But after that first week, he has never been below 50%. Even after bad losses to the Chargers, uh, to the 49ers, uh, after that Eagles loss, he never dropped down below 50%. He has fluctuated, but not just a ton. The lowest he's been after week week one or two, I guess. He he was at 48% in week one and up to 52% heading into the Vikings game. But he's never been below 63% since then. He hasn't been below 70% since week six. Consistently, consistently, Matt LaFleur is getting support from Packers fans. I thought it was interesting that is only, the only time... LaFleur's approval rating dropped after the Packers win. One was the Redskins game. After the Packers beat the Redskins but failed to really overwhelm them as they probably should have, LaFleur's approval rating dropped from an 89% to an eighty percent. That could have been a turning point for LaFleur, but the Packers came out and handled the Bears pretty well the next week, and then beat up on the Vikings on Monday night football in week sixteen. His ratings have gone up ever since. And the polls aren't finished for this week, but it looks like he's going to be polling pretty high again, headed into the wildcard round. Fourthly, Brian Gudekunst, of all the people we poll about, so we talk about Gudekunst, we talk about LaFleur, Pettin, Aaron Rodgers, and Sean Menenga. Of those five, Brian Gudekunst has been the most consistently popular. He started the season with a 72% approval rating. He's only pulled below 80% one time since then. 11 times this year in the 17 weeks we've run the poll, he's been at 90% or higher. Six times at 95% or higher. And among the five guys that we poll about, he has the highest average among everybody. He has averaged an 86% approval rating this year. That's higher than LaFleur at 82%. Mike Pettin and Aaron Rodgers both tied at 66%. Or Sean Menenga, whose average approval rating is a paltry 5.5% this week, albeit only in seven weeks of polling. Brian Gutekunst had a big offseason last year, and it's showing up in some pretty consistent support among Packers fans. Very, very popular guy, Mr. Brian Gutekunst. Speaking of Sean Menenga, though, I think his polling data shows that it's very hard to separate results from coaches. And I think that's probably for the best for our purposes. Sean Menenga, we started polling about him at a, at a listener request late in the season. So we've got data from him dating from week 11. Had three consecutive weeks where his approval rating was 0%. And the Packers special teams were pretty bad against the 49ers, Giants, Redskins. And even coming out of the bye week, it was pretty bad. But how much of that is really Sean Meninga's fault? And how much could we determine was his fault? I don't know if we really can. And I think you see some stuff on the flip side because of how things have changed once Tyler Irvin has come aboard. He was signed by the Packers heading into week 14. And since then, Meninga's approval rating has gone up each and every week. As Irvin has done better and better on kickoff and punt returns each and every week. Now, in our most recent poll, Menango had a 15.4% approval rating. Has he gotten 15% better as a coach? No, but the Packers' results in their return game has been better. And I think that's okay, because I don't think the average fan or the average podcaster, myself included, has enough information about what coaches are really doing to judge them on anything other than results. And I think as far as fans are concerned, therefore, results should trump the process. It's possible that all season long, Sean Monengo is making great calls on special teams, putting together great schemes. Whatever you do as a special teams coach, it, it could be that he was doing a really good job and just getting crummy results. Ultimately, the results are all that matter. And if we're just going to look at this as fans, we have to just go by what we can see. And what we see are the results. And the Packers special teams were pretty abysmal for quite a while there. Things have gotten better. Is Sean Meninga coaching better? Probably not. But fans are responding to the results nonetheless. And I think that's okay. Finally, generally speaking, Packers fans have been supremely confident this year. One of the poll questions I, I wonder about the most on, on each and every week is, is whether or not people think the Packers are going to win. Functionally, if you just want to boil it down to a, a like a, I don't know, like a presidential poll. If you went to the ballot box and who said, who do you think should win, candidate A or candidate B? I'm not dumb enough to actually put names in there. Um, and candidate A gets 60% of the vote. Candidate B gets 40%. Candidate A is the winner, right? They get a win. Well, if we ask people if they think the Packers are going to win, yes or no, everything over 50% one way or another should count as that result. So if Packers fans are picking games and they vote 71% say it's going to be a win, we have to put that down as saying our pollsters are predicting a win, right? Okay. Well, under that criteria. People voting in our poll are 13-3 and three this year. They have the exact same record as the Packers. That's because in our polling data, Packers fans have predicted a win every time the Packers have taken the field this year. There has never been a poll where more people thought the Packers were going to lose than win, at least not this year. The, the closest we got Was against the Eagles or against the Cowboys in week five. 57% of voters thought the Packers were going to win. That's still above 50%. The closest we've gotten since then was the 66% who thought the Packers might lose against or who might win against the Vikings. Other than that, most of the time, the vast majority of the time, the Packers poll voters thought they were going to win. In their losses, 89% thought they'd beat the Eagles. 93% thought they'd beat the Chargers, and 75% thought they'd beat the 49ers. Interestingly enough, the polls were screaming out trap game last week. The Packers came awful close to losing to the Lions. 99.7% of voters in our poll thought the Packers would win. They turned out to be right, but it was pretty darn close. All that to say, Packers voters or Packers fans have been extremely confident in our polls this year, and I would rather have that than I think the alternative. Anybody can be a cynic. I like the optimism from Packers fans. So I've got for you in this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm excited for this week, and hopefully you are too, to see who the Packers are going to end up to, uh, end up playing. could be Could be Saints, Seahawks, or Eagles. We'll find out. We do know for sure the game is going to be at Lambeau Field, Uh, so we'll see. In the meantime, if you like what you heard today, leave us a rating and review in the podcast app of your choice. Check us out at patreon.com slash thepowersweep if you would like to support us financially. Or just leave us a question, comment, thought, bit of feedback, whatever, on our Facebook page, our Twitter page, or via email. However you would like to reach out to the show is fine. Anything that you give us helps us advance the conversation around this team that we love and helps us all become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.